Hey everybody, it's your unbiased bias and admin, Matthew Frazee, talking to you before we kick off today's episode. Before we get started, just wanted to personally give you guys a giant shout out and just say thank you. This season has been absolutely amazing for FCS Fans Nation and the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Our podcast for the last three to four years has always averaged around 600 to 700 listens or views per episode. Um, throughout this season, we were up over 1,200. And into the playoffs, we have eclipsed on average about 2,500 listens across all platforms from YouTube to Apple to Google Podcasts to Spotify. And our championship preview episode eclipsed over 7,000. Your guys' support and love and comments and questions and everything for the show has just been amazing. Across the social media platforms, our Twitter is over 4,000 followers. Our Facebook page jumped from 9,200 to 11,600 page members. Content, everything, prizes, contests continue to just grow and grow. So genuinely from my heart, from Kyler, from Jamie, from Lawrence, from Wyatt, from Kelsey, from Chris, we, we just really wanted to say thank you guys who have been on this journey since early 2017 until now. Thank you so much for your support for this podcast, for our pages, our platform, and FCS football. We do this just because we love to do it. We're good friends, and we're going to continue to just give you guys content that hopefully makes your day, weeks, and uh, football year a little bit better. Thanks again, and enjoy our finale episode, guys. official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation, welcome, sadly, to the season finale, season five of our podcast, the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Frazee, Jamie Williams, Kyler Neal, coming to you guys one final time as we are closing out an amazing season of FCS football. Back from Frisco, you're listening to this now going, why didn't we have this within a week? Man, for the amount we partied and hung out and went crazy, uh, we needed a few weeks of recovery. So coming to you as quick as we can for our final episode here of the season. Back from Frisco, happy myself, the unbiased but biased here by Zanaman, happy with another championship. Uh, Jamie Williams, tell us a little bit how you are feeling a few weeks removed from Frisco. How was Frisco for our experience, my man? You know, Frisco was, as it always is, it was a good time. I always love being out there. Uh, obviously, getting to hang out with my buddies that I see once or twice a year kind of makes it all worth it, whether my team's there or not. You know, might have snuck on the field down at the end, but as the old guy, I took the stairs. I uh, might talk about how other people did, you know, later. But, you know, went down on the field, You know, had some fun at the bars, didn't pay for some drinks, paid for some drinks, you know. You know, it was a it was a good time, better than it what was, I expected. It was a good it was a good time, um, guys. We do have a recap video of everything we did with video and photos, um, on our YouTube channel. So just subscribe, FCS Fans Nation on YouTube. It'll be the trailer video right when you go to our channel. Um, I'll get that edited up today. So uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on everything we did. That recap video will give you a, 
a great shout out. But uh, you'll see things in there. Just a quick recap in terms of Mr. Brian Thompson, an awesome fan who stayed with us down there in Frisco and paid for this big taco spread after the game. Uh, we had Thumper from Jackrabbit Illustrated, The Rev from WAC, uh, Jordan Finkston. I, I'm not going to I'm going to forget all these names, but just a good collective of fans and people we know from social media. We hung out with them grabbing barbecue, drinking beers, wearing rival gear from the charity payout. I mean, it was a ton of fun down there. And Kyler, I know you had a blast as well, dude. But what'd you think about Frisco again this year, man? Man, Frisco was a good time. Am I on mute? Just an FYI. No, you're not on mute. You're loud. Okay, I was pressing the button so many times in a row, and I was like, I don't know if I um, kept myself on mute or not. So we take you no, know, we take two weeks off, and look what happens. We don't even starting know. off hot. Um, no, Frisco was fun this year, especially because you know um, the tailgate for one. The tailgate mm. was so much better this year than it's been in the past. I mean, we had pansies in our tailgate, like Chris Hammond taking naps in cars, Matt not leaving the car <laughs> because it's too wet um thanks to randy he had a cool setup for us we actually tailgated the whole time uh we were you know going and experiencing walking around to other people's tailgates who gave us brats beers i mean it, it was just that was the best tailgate we've had so far as a collective group and it was so fun to just be able to chat with everyone the what you know the weather was a little cold and rainy but nothing horrible compared to the last few years so we were still able to be outside and just have a good time and then, of course, the game just the game sucked, but everything else was super fun. So I'll um, I'll, I'll take the experience over the game any day of the week. Uh, but yeah, man, I it was just a good time with all you guys until I got COVID and strep throat, and then had to sit in my house for two weeks. My wife's probably writing up the divorce papers because she has to see <laughs> me every freaking day, and I can't leave yet. Um, can't leave the house till Monday. So yeah, it's been a fun last two weeks. I wish I'd rather be in Frisco. Yeah, well, I'm glad to see you recovering fine, man. Looking good in that central Arkansas gear from Mr. Will Siller and C.W. Siller, who came down, of course, for the game with us. And yeah, uh, big, before we start rolling into our big seven guys with the questions, huge shout out to Mr. Randy Long, who who offered from 2019 when we saw him. He brought this NDSU, you'll see it in the recap video, this NDSU tailgate rig. He has shot towers with national championship trophies attached to them. He has a photo booth, which he put our logo on for the photos, people taking pictures. And if you guys are ever around Randy and his tailgate crew, he yells at everybody to say, come on over here, have a drink, take a photo. It's all free. And he's just the most welcoming guy. So, Randy, thank you so much for reaching out to us after two years. That, that's what good of a person he is with, with people and customer service and just being a great human. He remembered for two years, I'm going to reach out to these guys to have people come to my tailgate. So... Uh, Mr. Long, thank you again. Uh, we really appreciate it, my man. So guys, again, uh, hit that recap video. You'll see it on our channel. That being said, it's time to talk about that game that for me was quite fun and others were bored of, of course. And of course, looking into 2022, guys. So we're going to roll into some of those questions as well. So let's start off with the big seven questions that people are asking about. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the big seven. All right, guys. So we're starting off strong here. Mr. Charlie Seaman and Steve Kurtenbach roughly had uh, questions that were on the same trajectory here. Um, Charlie said that it's a shame that in the spring and in this game, one team starting quarterback went out in the first drive. How much of an effect do you think Tommy touchdown might have had on this game, considering NDSU looked to control the lines of scrimmage at will? 
very interesting take, especially um, Steve went on with a question about like the turf and the conditions and how that may affect, hey, we lost Gronowski in the spring. We lost Tommy Touchdown here. Um, Jamie, what do you think? Do you think with Tommy Touchdown in there, we see much of a difference? Uh, talk about the line play by NDSU and just your thoughts on the game in general. Well, I mean, unlike Troy Anderson, Touchdown Tommy doesn't play on both sides of the ball. So there's one thing. Um, that wasn't a product of the turf, his injury. Um, you see, he just got rolled up, unfortunately. Um, had he been in the game the whole time, uh, Montana State might have had a couple more touchdowns. But like I said, he doesn't play defense, and they had no answer for anything NDSU was doing, especially in the run game. Um, Hunter Lipke just gashing him. Kobe Johnson with the just the monster 80-yard touchdown. I think it was 76. Um Babbage, they had nothing for him. It's just whatever North Dakota State wanted to do on offense, for the most part, they did. Now, Montana State, they did move the ball early um, into the into the 20s, 30-yard line, but then they got locked down. Uh, you have to figure they kind of would have broke through a little bit more before you know the end of the game, and maybe it was 38 to 24, but it still was going to be 38 for NDSU. So, sure, a closer spread, but still uh, same final result uh, without Touchdown, Tommy. Unfortunately, hated to see him go down, but it just unfortunately led to a really boring game because Tucker Rovig, he ain't it. Yeah, Tucker Rovig definitely put Montana State back to where they were in terms of that team where they're trying to figure out the quarterback issue. Uh, but in terms of that line play, um, I'm not naive to, to just be like, uh, and none of us here are, we talked about this, to not think that a quarterback does affect things when they go down. In terms of a team's definitely, you've lost that uh, uh, Fonze said after the game in the postgame press conference, he said, I think we lost our ability to hit the edge a lot in the run game. Like we had to concentrate on running up the middle or like our pass game, but we lost that edge run ability with Tommy Malott going out. Um, and that definitely is going to affect things like Montana State's going to be on the field longer, which, you know, could change things and give their defense more of a break. But I said to, I whispered to Kyler, like right after that first drive, I just said, you know, I know on paper these teams look similar, but the stature of NDSU just looks different. It, it, it looks like men amongst boys on those lines. And I didn't think that's how it would be. I thought they had caught up. We talked about this on the championship preview episode, but we read that one individual's tweet when we were all driving away from the game where NDSU rushed for 270 yards in the first half. And the most Montana State had given up in the rushing game was like 220 something to Cal Poly. You can fact check that. But I mean, the line game by NDSU and the physicality was was clear as day. Um, Kyler, is is that what you saw too, man? Or did you think that quarterback injury would have more an effect on maybe Montana State having a chance in this thing? I mean, it, it definitely had a huge effect. Does it have an effect on maybe it would have brought Montana State to actually beat North Dakota State? No, probably not. But I Here's the thing. When you have a quarterback like Tommy Touchdown, who was actually driving extremely easy against NDSU, let's let's not get that wrong. The only time he really stopped driving the ball was after that injury, and then they really couldn't move it, and they had to do that weird freak fake field goal play, whatever it was. But they were driving the ball actually really easy. Now you, if they continue to drive the ball easily or at least uh, moving the ball a little bit better than Tucker Rovig could, yes, he has 156 yards, but he wasn't driving the ball very well. He had maybe one good drive. Other than that, he was completely shut down. So then that puts Montana State's defense on the sidelines quite a bit longer if they actually have a quarterback who could move the ball instead of just getting run down their throat every single play, 
the whole year, um, the whole game. So having a quarterback like touchdown, Tommy definitely changed the impact of the game. It may be, I think I bet like Montana state would lose by 14 anyway. And I think probably that would have been more of a realistic situation. What would have happened? Probably would have been still a maybe 34 to, I don't know, 20 type of game. Um, so it definitely hurt that he's out, but it doesn't change the end game that North Dakota state was still going to win. Um, the thing is if Tommy touchdowns in at the end of the game, does that freshman, does he make the correct plays when it's getting down to the wire? Can he bail them out when they're down a little bit? I mean, those are those, we don't know. Those are those big question marks on anything. Like we actually don't know. Maybe, maybe touchdown Tommy would have made more mistakes and maybe North Dakota state would have even blew him out more. We have no clue. The only thing I will say though is Tucker Rovig, he got benched by a linebacker. So if you guys, if someone's saying it makes no difference to have Tucker Rovig in compared to touchdown Tommy, then you got that's absurd because it definitely makes a difference. Tucker Rovig has been benched his whole life by linebackers Troy Anderson. So it definitely makes a big difference when you lose your starting guy, especially who had that much momentum. But what is the difference? That's kind of the big question mark. How big of a difference? What was the difference? I still think NDSU probably wins by 14, probably not by 28, but probably by 14. Yeah, it's definitely a different feel than I would say the spring finale in terms of, I mean, SDSU lost, what what was there, 16 seconds left on the clock when Sam Houston scores the game-winning touchdowns or something like that? I mean, SDSU, there was a big lightning watch, so South Dakota State had some time. But, I mean, I'd argue South Dakota State's backup was worse than Montana State's. And South Dakota State stayed in that game. Um, they they matched them on the lines. They kept their running game going. And they were able to take the lead. And if they had just stopped them on one of two fourth downs, South Dakota State wins the national championship. So, it it I mean, it just... Montana State didn't even keep themselves in the game. And I don't know, a quarterback injury for sure. All of Kyler's points are valid. Um, but I don't know if they just mentally dropped down or maybe North Dakota State just was that much better. So um, a, a, so ma- a variety of a lot of factors, guys. But NDSU clearly just showed they were the best team. You know, Kyler had picked them. Jamie had picked them. And and clearly we were right there. So um, I made money to- by betting the over. So. It's not yeah. like I was thinking Montana State would keep it close, you know, compared to the cover or the spread, whatever you want to say. But I thought NDSU would win on the over prior to the game, won a few hundred bucks, and I'll call it good. <laughs> there you go. Free free, uh, free money in the pocket. Good to bet on the Bison sometimes. Um, as everybody's like, oh, my goodness, get off this evil empire. Uh, all right. Matt Bernhardt has a question. A great Bobcat fan. Matt, congratulations on a great season. Again, you have one of the best names of all time. Um, but your Bobcat should be very proud. It's a heck of a year and you guys aren't going anywhere. I think you're going to be elevated into the top tier of the FCS playoff competition for many years to come. And Jamie, do you think his question here, do you think that fake field goal slash punt had any impact on the early momentum in the game where Montana state was at least in a position to get some points on the board? Well, it definitely snuffed out any momentum they had early, but two plays earlier, Tommy got rolled up on. On third down, you can see he dropped back to pass, and he just he couldn't plant, and he just chucked it out of bounds. So at that point, you can't really go for it because you're not going to throw Tucker Rovig in cold. And really, with the field conditions, it was a little wet. It was already being chopped up a little bit. You also don't really want to kick the field goal. So they set up a fake. And I think a lot of people knew the fake was coming. I can tell you who knew the fake was coming was Michael Tootsie because uh, he was in tight, and if you watch right as they started to align, he stepped back about 
three or four yards. And as soon as the play went off, I think they were either trying to get the outside um, tight end the ball, or it was supposed to be a run, but NDSU just blew it up. And they wound up, instead of taking a, a loss, he punted it and wound up with like an eight-yard net. So it did kill their momentum, and especially when North Dakota State takes it right down. And Hunter Lipke just smoked that guy. He 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 came for the pain uh, at the goal line. Then they drive it again. Actually, it was another good drive, and they miss a field goal. And they come down, and North Dakota State scores again. And that, you know, you're not going to come back from two scores with your backup quarterback against North Dakota State. So I think we all knew the game was over. And then Kobe Johnson, um, if you watch that play, I, I was watching it. Troy Anderson lined up on the right side um, of the NDSU formation, and Cam Miller shipped, yeah, Cam flipped the play, and Kobe went up left, and it was 21 on us, and the game was definitely over then. So I think that was more the the killer and the momentum more than just the fake field goal. I think Vegan got caught without a real good decision because he couldn't go for it, really couldn't kick a field goal, so he had to try something. It didn't work. Yeah, he was definitely in a position where he had to start making some adjustments to get anything to happen. Um, I think the real momentum killer was honestly that NDSU first drive. That third and 14, Montana State right off the bat has NDSU right where you've got him. We're like, sweet, we're going to get him off the field. And Cam Miller puts a dime to Christian Watson, and the drive continues. And then from that point on in that drive, it's just like huge run, huge run, mini pass, huge run. And then NDSU just being able to do what their offense wants on that first attempt against Montana state, I would say was the really early momentum impact because whether Montana state got a field goal or not there, you just can't let NDSU operate that quickly in the first quarter. You got to get up on them quick. Uh, I've said it before, get up 10, 17 points quickly and get NDSU out of rhythm. So the early momentum shift, um, I think really was just NDSU being able to operate so quickly and efficiently doing what they want to do ground and pound. So um, the Bobcats, I, it would have been Tommy having them in there would have been interesting, but and North Dakota state, I hate to just toot their own horn, but you know, credit to NDSU's coaching staff and everything else. They, they had those boys ready to play, ready to go. Um, there was a lot of questions about like Brett vegan and his experience with NDSU and how it would look against us. And, and kind of looked like he was, overthinking the the process there in terms of on like third and ones and fourth and ones just thinking like was he thinking like the ndsu d lines are so good like they always stop people on these short downs so i should try to throw these 50 50 balls or maybe at that time it was already desperation hour but um overall north dakota state playing good and the momentum never really shifted back unfortunately so um we could talk about ndsu beat montana state all day long but everybody most FCS fans are ready to get on to next year or other years or in the future here a little bit. So that being said, guys, we'd love to roll right into Bruce Edmondson's question. Um, he says, with NDSU's dominance over the FCS and the other two champs gone to the FBS, uh, Sam Houston, James Madison, the other two in the last 11 years, what is the goal for NDSU moving forward? So this is um, almost kind of like beating a dead horse, but at the same time, it's actually good to get the information out there. Um, when it comes to NDSU moving forward, there's just no nothing on the horizon for them to be making a change upward. There, there's no conference invite. Realignment is basically done until 2024. So at this point, I think NDSU is going to just continue to obviously want to win FCS championships. And unless they get the opportunity that they feel comfortable with at the next level, they're not going to jump up. I feel like it's Jamie Williams Dukes 
in 2013. They're not going to, NDSU is not just going to jump into the CUSA now. Like, Jamie, you didn't feel like it was good to jump into the Sun Belt then. They're going to wait it out. So um, a really good connected source, Matt Brown, who's like one of the Adam Schefters of conference realignment, if you will, he tweeted out that NDSU is perfectly comfortable waiting for their dream position in their in their minds, which is the Mountain West. And they don't care if it takes five years. They don't care if it takes 10 years. They're okay waiting that out. And until then, they're not going to try to stop winning. So, um, Kyler, should there be some sort of alternate plan here for NDSU? Should they, you know, there was Matt Brown also tweeted out that the MAC and NDSU have no mutual interest. CUSA contacted NDSU, but NDSU showed no interest. Is that kind of a, a cop-out at this point? Should they be jumping regardless of travel and pay just because of success? Or, or what do you think, man? I mean, if it's true that there was a couple conferences that invited NDSU and NDSU rejected them, or you know, we're at least conversating with it. Yeah. Then the, uh, the only the only thing confirmed. Matt Brown said the CUSA made one call to NDSU, and NDSU was like, no. Um, but the MAC was never a conversation between either. There's just no interest there, is what he had tweeted out. So well, then I, I do think it's a little bit of a cop out if NDSU just wants to wait for the Mountain West because right now from how the Mountain West looked through all of these talks and the conference realignment, the Mountain West is extremely happy with what they have. And NDSU is never going to go to the FBS then. There's not going to be some type of Mountain West NDSU invite right now because that does not strengthen the Mountain West. I don't care what anyone says. The Mountain West considers themselves right below the P5s. And they're not going to go, hey, this FCS team, yes, they're really good, but that's going to strengthen our program and now be viewed as some type of power five. You know, it's just not going to happen. So if if it was Conference USA, go there, prove your dominance, start beating all these FBS teams, get some top 25 love, then maybe the Mountain West will be more inclined to go, you know what, we actually like you a little bit better than Hawaii. We actually like you a little bit better than New Mexico. Maybe you should join. So from what I was aware, not even one conference has even actually spoken to NDSU or at least a realistic shot of, hey, let's get you in the conference. Um, but if that's not the case, then yeah, shame on NDSU because this whole realignment, they were claiming we want to be FBS. We want to be FBS. And they were very vocal about it. And now they're saying, well, it's just not a good fit in one of these conferences. Eh, you could join one of these conferences, make it a elite, then maybe get an invite or do what the Sunbelt did. You know, James and Madison got lucky in that scenario, but guess what? They're back in the Sunbelt no matter what. They could have already been there. They could have already had established pipeline. Uh, maybe already had better rivalries and maybe it was the right move for JMU. Cause of course that's what Jamie will say and all these other JMU guys, but they rejected the Sunbelt to go to the Sunbelt seven years later. You could have had more money to begin with. You could have been in the Sunbelt for seven years. Again, <laughs> who knows what could have happened, but if, if it's kind of a cop out on, we're just going to wait for the mountain West right now, unless Boise makes a move, which it does not look like anyone has been able to entice Boise to switch because Boise wants to be Pac-12 or bus, and they're never going to be Pac-12. I see no opportunity for the Mountain West to add anyone else, which means NDSU will be at the SCS level for a long time. So I will play defense here a little bit. I do know Conference USA's and the Max uh, television deal is like literally 50000 more than what uh, they get paid from the state of North Dakota through ABC right now. So it, you know, to start flying all your sports out to those locations, fiscally, might not be the best thing. Um, the conference USA, the worry there was just, you know, that is just a travel nightmare in terms of 
I mean, you want to travel away to Florida International and then down to Sam Houston. You've just got nothing. I think the Mac would be more realistic. I think I'd be more upset um, if the Mac straight up was having phone conversations and NDSU said no. But the Mac is very political. Like they 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 actually really don't care about their perception. Like they they don't care that they're Tuesday, Wednesday night. They like that they're bus traveled Ohio upper eastern area. And they're not they're not even interested in like some sort of magical expansion or anything like that. The last thing they tried to expand with fell apart uh, here. So, um, yeah, NDSU should definitely be looking to get to the next step for sure. But I I'll defend the Conference USA thing at this time. That that seems like that would be a bold one. I wouldn't defend them if it was the Mac. So um, we do have another question on this coming forward in our quick hit questions, but uh, we'll have to see where they go forward. And I can totally get. Uh, why NDSU needs to be the next step, and I totally support it. I'm a big fan of it as well. So, um, all right, guys, enough of NDSU love. Let's move on to some other folks here. And Jamie Williams, I got a question for you. Mr. Dustin Helton, the Rev, thank you so much, Rev. Oh, man, buying drinks and rounds at Top Golf, and just what a guy. We're going to be hanging out with you a lot more, Rev. Looking forward to it. Hope the pool is treating you well. He wants to know who are the teams to fill the gap with James Madison and Sam Houston gone. Great question. Okay, so two of the heavy hitters are out of the FCS. Who's going to step up there, Mr. Williams? Well, I think one of them already has, and that's Montana State. They seem extremely well-seated to continue what they started this year. Um, They've got the right coach. They've got good facilities. They've had good recruiting. They've been been there. Um, Now, They've got to take that next step. They've been to Frisco. They're going to have to win one eventually. Um, but I think they're there to fill that gap. Um, you know, there's going to be a gap between the top four next year, I think, and everybody else. We can talk about that in a little while. Um, but Montana State for sure can fill that void very quickly. But you've got other good teams like South Dakota is coming up. Stephen and F. Austin, we'll, we'll mention the Revs team. Uh, Kobe Carthel has been doing a hell of a job there. I think they're ready to take a step up. I don't know that they're ready to fill this void, um, but they're ready to make some people uncomfortable. Um, you know, Weber's not going away. Eastern might have a down year, but Eastern is is part of that blue blood. Um, wait for Chris Hammond um, later on. But, you know, there are teams that are there. The FCS is not in trouble. And I haven't even talked about the CAA. Um, somebody will step up in the CAA and and take that that next step. Um, maybe Villanova can continue what they've done. Maybe it's a team like William and Mary who looks sneaky good with a really good championship caliber coach in Mike London. Um, we'll talk about that other team near where I live. Um, you know, they might be good too. So do we? Do you see a team, Kyler? Though that's like. One that's going to make the top tier always sweat. James Madison is all, was always going to make South Dakota State sweat and North Dakota State, Montana's, anybody. It's like, oh, crap, I don't want to play JMU. Is that going to exist? And let's use Sam Houston as well. Is there going to be a team that maybe is not from, well, it's almost a power two now. We'll see. We'll see if someone steps up in that power three. Maybe the maybe the SoCon. Um, is there going to be somebody who's just like that staple uh, exception to the rule in the non-power conferences? 
I don't see one in a non-power conference right now, but I, I do think, you know, there's always been really, it seems like each decade, four consistent teams, you know, depending on what part of the decade, but there's always been four consistent teams throughout any decade. And I think we're going to see four consistent teams this next one in the two Dakotas, you know, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and then the two Montanas. I, I mean, honestly, those are, I think, going to be the top four teams of the 2020s. And then there's going to be other teams who will sprinkle on in there and show success in a specific year or maybe a few years and be competitive, but maybe they're not going to be there every single year, or every other year, like those four two, or those four teams will. But I'm having a really tough time outside of the powers now seeing it because Sam Houston was that dark horse. You know, they're not really dark horse because they were an, a true power, but outside of the power conferences, they're that one where you're like, they can be competitive with everyone. They're going to make a deep run in the playoffs every single year. We just don't know what's going to happen. I don't see that with any other team outside of even the big sky in Missouri Valley right now. I know there's going to be a CAA team. Maybe the CAA team is going to be that new Sam Houston. Um, and I, I don't want to say that's ruffle CAA feathers, right? But it's looking like the CAA may just be that sec that second tier. It's going to be a 1A, a 1B, a 2A. And then maybe it even drops to like tier three and maybe, maybe CA is on its own little level there, but yeah, I'm having a hard time seeing maybe Kennesaw. Um, but I, I still don't have a lot of faith in them unless they switch up their whole system. I'm having a tough time seeing a team outside of one CA team, a couple big sky and a couple Missouri Valley teams really making a true run. I see a lot of quarterfinal potential from outside of them, but that's about it. And I don't think that quarterfinal team really, sets the bar to be, yeah, that's their dark horse or that's your true contender. Quarters are the quarters. Good teams should get to the quarters. There's always going to be a few good teams outside of the power conferences, but I don't see anyone getting to that next level. Does that, does that change your mind at all? If, let's just say I just, let's say North Dakota state, poof, they do go to CSA gets announced tomorrow. North Dakota state's gone. Is it just, are you going to go SDSU the two Montanas and and does nothing really change there? Or the reason I'm asking this is is NDSU standard so high that we're just trying to see who competes with them? You know what I mean? Is it, does that change anything at all if NDSU is out of the picture, or is it still like I still think those three would be a leg ahead? I think for me, it's tier one is North Dakota State, and that's it. And then you've got your gap, and then the other three teams that we've been talking about: the two Montanas, South Dakota State, and then a gap to whatever is next, whoever that is. And I think if NDSU leaves, then those three become just tier one, big gap, a group of tier twos that obviously somebody's got to make the semis with them, but it won't, I don't know that there's one consistent team outside of that group that we can say, I think they'll be there a lot. It'll be who's got a veteran team that's led by seniors who got a stud quarterback. Hmm. Then they graduate, then they transfer and then they're back down for a couple of years and then they come back up. So I, I don't see anybody locking in consistently for the next seven, eight, 10 years, like Sam Houston and, and JMU has, and really JMU's the last six years. Yeah. Um, start with, you know, unfortunately we let Mickey go start with Everett Withers kind of took a little bit of an elevation, took way off with Mike Houston. And that's where we've been since then. Um, so a little bit of a mirage there for, if you talk about a decade, yeah, I, I think what Jamie just said is what we're going to see a lot in the 2020s. A very experienced team outside of those. Because every now and then you're going to have one solid team who has quite a bit of players that have played with each other for a long team, and they are going to be very competitive with the top-tier teams. 
And I think that's what's going to happen. So every three years, you may see this one team who had phenomenal recruiting classes, maybe a couple fillers with a transfer. They're very senior-ridden. They have a favorable schedule to maybe they can get a really good seed. Because, of course, as we know in the playoffs, seeding is very important. Having home field advantage as much as possible is very important. So I think you're going to see some of those teams every now and then. But still, man, even – I think most of them are still going to fall from the same conferences. Like maybe you'll see a Missouri state every now and then rise of occasion or a Delaware or an Eastern or a Weber, something like that. I'm just probably not, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I have no faith in Idaho yet until, until, you know, they prove it, you know, 30 years of being crap is 30 years of being crap, no matter how you look at it. Um, So we'll see. But yeah, I think it's, it's really tough to try and pinpoint Outside of those conferences, you know, even the three, because you can say Delaware, Villanova on any given year is going to be a top tier team. They got the resources. They got the money. They got the location. They got the at least historic conference. Um, But man, I'm having a hard time seeing anyone outside of that who's going to emerge as a complete dominant team. I see a lot of teams who are going to emerge as dominant teams within their conference. But are they going to be able to beat the other teams? I don't know. The FCS is ran in the north. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the next decade plays out with these teams transitioning. Uh, That being said, guys, though, our next question comes from Zach Wilson Sr. Zach, you got this question in right as I turned off commenting on the question post. It was beautiful. Right as I clicked, yours came through, and I'm so glad it did because your question is great. He wants to know, let's ignore the whole decade. Let's talk about 2022. And he wants to know, give us your top five teams for 2022. Uh, Guys, I will share some of Sam Herter's work here before we get this topic going. Um, Sam put his way too early favorites to win the 2022 national title. Um, He has going from 10 to 1, Delaware, Kennesaw State, uh, Sac State, SFA for the Rev, Missouri State, the Bears, East Tennessee State, Montana, Montana State, South Dakota State, NDSU. And uh, like most people, he has NDSU by a mile. I will just cover that one quickly and then I'll let you guys go on the top four. Um, just take this in for a second, what you just saw NDSU do last season. Uh, so next year, NDSU will return four of their five starting offensive linemen and all five of their guys behind them in rotation. Their entire running back room, their NFL prospect tight end, their entire linebacker core, their entire secondary, their two quarterbacks that they played. Um, they lose their kicker, Christian Watson, so they need a receiver. And... Um, They'll have to, their defensive line is the one thing that gets shredded. All four starters on the depth chart for the defensive line are gone. Unfortunately for the FCS, North Dakota State rotates defensive linemen like hockey uh, shifts, and a lot of talented recruits are going to be coming up behind there. So NDSU by a mile for the preseason number one, but Zach Wilson Sr. here is curious. What do you guys see for uh, two, three, four, and five? Um, Jamie, I know you might have some interesting opinions on this. What, What do you got, my man? Well, I definitely think two, three, and four in some way, shape, or form are South Dakota State and the two Montanas. I initially said Montana State, Montana, South Dakota State. I think right now, after a little bit of reflection, I would go Montana two, South Dakota State three, Montana State four. I initially said Southern Illinois five when I posted it a week or so ago. Um, probably would reconsider that maybe for, I don't know, maybe it would be Southern Illinois, but 
it's whoever it is, it's, it's pretty far behind. Yeah, I really have a South Dakota State actually loses quite a bit. I think they graduated 21 seniors, but they return a lot on the defense. They're also going to get their young quarterback Gronowski back, who was, you know, obviously an all star as a redshirt freshman for them before being injured in the spring title. Um, he's going to have his two wide receivers on the outside, Tucker Kraft, a tight end. Isaiah Davis is a freak back. They'll have to replace some offensive linemen, but SDSU is just there because they're going to be able to rinse, wash, repeat. They've had some good recruiting classes, so it's definitely NDSU, and you have to throw South Dakota State in there at one of the top five. Uh, Montana brings back quite a bit, and I don't know. I think I would have Montana State. You know, they do lose some key players. Like, they're going to have Tommy Touchdown, but they're going to they lose, I think, 16 seniors and some of the big ones there as well. So really at the five spot, if you wanted to just throw the two Montanas in, you wanted to throw the two Dakotas in and say that's your four, the five spots where it gets curious. And Kyler, do you have anybody that you're really confident there? in that five spot at all from the big sky? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to view this as do I think they're going to end the season five after the postseason, or do I think they're going to end the regular season in the top five? I think, and I that, think for now, regular season's probably because best view regular season. I'm going to roll with Kennesaw. Um, I think they're going to have a pretty favorable schedule. I do not believe in East Tennessee state after they lose their big boy. Um, I think that is a very bad pick by Sam Herter. Um, you know, I still love Sam Herter, but I I don't agree with Missouri State or you know East Tennessee State. Missouri State's had their opportunity to prove it twice, and they keep getting embarrassed. They're not as good as everyone thinks they are. Um, I think Kennesaw has the best chance at the end of the year to grab a top five seed with their favorable schedule. They'll probably be undefeated. Um, they don't lose that much. Um, they were better than ETSU and just crazy two minutes, you know, happened where ETSU actually came back. If that game was played 10 times to me from watching that game, it looks like Kennesaw state's winning eight to 10 times and they're returning better players. Um, so yeah, I, I think Kennesaw state is a, has a very good chance to grab a top five seed when it's all said and done. But, um, I think it's those four teams that we mentioned and then everyone else right now, we'll see, there's going to be a surprise team that's going to come up. Um, but yeah, I, I like Kennesaw's state's chance for getting a top five seed when it's all said and done what about Stephen f austin we know no. uh the rev talked them up and they they obviously had a pretty good season here almost beating um was it sam houston there uh pretty favorable schedule i would say uh going into next next season i don't know you don't you don't think you don't see them as being one that could be in that kennesaw position or you think they'll just lose too many games compared to kennesaw um can you pull up their schedule I do have the their schedule here. about SFA is they have Sam Houston, who can, I guess, win the whack, but not qualify for the playoffs. Incarnate mm-hmm. Word is down. Yeah. Uh, that's just not going to happen. So they start at Jacksonville State. They have a favorable yeah. schedule, too. That's yeah. a pretty solid schedule. I mean, they will play JSU, though, and Sam Houston. And I know JSU, they're like, oh, JSU. But, you know, the JS- Jacksonville State early in the season could win a game. And then having to play the Bearcats, still tough. Will that count? Here's the question. I don't even know this. Will that count as an FBS loss? Are they in transition? Uh, they, so, they both will be FCS qualified teams. They can't make the playoffs, but they can win their respective conferences from what I believe I saw. Looking at this, uh, I, I actually probably the auto bid. Yeah, auto bid maybe, but I'm going to go, Kyler, I'm going to defer my argument there. I'm going to give you to Kennesaw because that actually, when you've got to travel two nickels 
Um, and Nichols can, is a good team. You're going to have to play Jacksonville State and Sam Houston at home, who are teams that are good. Alcorn State has put in some good seasons. You're going to have to travel to them. Um, yeah, at the end, it gets easier when, you know, with Tarleton State, Dixie State, you know, going to Southern Utah. But that beginning 6-7 schedule slate is tough. So uh, we got high hopes for SFA next year, but I don't know if we'll see I, them as a top five. Man, I, I like what they did. I think they were a year ahead of schedule for sure. I didn't have faith that they'd make the playoffs. Uh, what they're bringing in, they have a lot of talent. I mean, honestly, they could run through that schedule besides Sam Houston State, and if they do, you could potentially be getting, and probably right outside the seats, to be honest, because they're also not going to, from looking at that schedule, it doesn't look like they're going to have many ranked wins on the schedule if possible. I don't think there's going to be a lot of ranked teams on that schedule, even though it's not easy, but it's also not tough. It seems like it's a lot of middle-tier teams that are going to be flirting for that 25 to 40 range. So um, I think they pretty much have to win out to really get a seed, um, unfortunately. And I don't think they will beat Sam Houston. I think Sam Houston is going to win. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Mm, yeah, I think they'll just be outside the seeds, though. Yeah, but I think they're going to be a playoff team, and they're going to be dangerous for sure. Yeah. Well, I do. I, like I said, I, just to finish this one off, I, I definitely say Kennesaw. That, that was a good point when you qualify it for regular season. Um, just one more. Um, Nugget, Lindsey Scott, phenomenal quarterback from Nichols. believe he's now committed to Incarnate Word. Interesting. Oh, nice. I could, they obviously lost their main man up there to Wazoo. Not a bad decision at all. Nope, so, do it. yeah, for Cameron Ward, not a bad call. So um, we're right on the topic, guys. So let's just keep rolling into our next question here uh, for Mr. Joshua Hoffman. Awesome South Dakota State fan. He says, buy a share of a stock in an FCS team that didn't make it to the quarters. Who is your pick? So, okay, so we're kind of already on this trajectory, Kyler. Would Stephen F. Austin maybe be that team for you? I'll pull up if you guys are watching on YouTube. I'll be pulling up the postseason bracket here soon. Kyler, what do you think? Is Stephen F. Austin your pick there? I, I think Stephen the F. Austin oh, go is a good stock because, you know, they're not going to be super expensive right now. They're still going to be a little bit cheaper. Um, it looks like they're going to be building something in the future, and maybe they are... I don't think they're going to be quite at that Sam Houston state level that they were in the 2010s, but maybe they're going to be at least that next Jacksonville state. And I don't want to say that as something that's negative because Jacksonville state gets a lot of hate on the page. Jacksonville state, they've been in the big dance. They performed, they made deep runs every now and then they were consistently a top 10 team. And maybe SFA is going to be that next Jacksonville state caliber team. Um, I think that's good stock to buy. What I will say is because we're going to see this quite a bit people are going to drop Weber like hot sauce. Um, and I don't think that's smart. They battled tons of injuries this year, and they were still only a win away with a third-string quarterback from getting into the postseason, right? Um, they just dropped their OC, who's uh, decided to leave, and that was all of Weber's problems maybe. So we'll see what happens if they can get a better offensive coordinator in there and maybe some, some quarterback play. But I would be pressed to say let's just – completely cut off Weber like some people were throughout the whole year. They had some of the most injuries compared to any other team, and they had one of the toughest schedules. Um, I would still buy some stock in Weber because that price is going down drastically. A lot of people sold. But I like those two, SFA, Kennesaw, Weber. I think those are all solid picks. And, I mean, you can even say Eastern since we didn't make the quarters. I'm pretty confident, maybe not next year, but – Throughout the 2020s, we'll we'll make a few runs here and there. Yeah, it should be fun to see who steps up next season. Um, 
I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with Kennesaw Kyler. I won't spend much time on it. Uh, they lost in round two to ETSU by a crazy comeback, a crazy, uh, ending of the game. Otherwise they are a quarterfinal team last year. So that one's too easy for me. I think they'll have the schedule. They'll get the seating. They'll get the hookup. Regionalization will help them out. And so I could see them at least getting to the quarters next year and seeing how things shake out, maybe to the semis, Jamie, um, what do you got my man? Uh, what is the team you're going to share some stock in? I'm not even going to pick a team that went to the playoffs. And, oh, this is getting ready to make me extremely sick, but I'm going to do it anyways. So in the spring, I was all over VMI. Part of the reason, Reese Udinsky to Jacob Harris. Great combination. That offense was lethal with an okay defense, an okay running game, okay everywhere else. So recently, Udinsky then transferred to Maryland. He's transferred again, and Harris is coming with him, and they've arrived at Richmond. With a strong defense, that connection, good running backs, and no JMU in front of them. I know everybody's on Delaware and Villanova and the CAA, and I know I give some hot takes, but here comes one. Richmond wins the CAA this year. Dang. God, that makes me sick to my stomach to say it. But all everything's lining up. Russ Hughes was a good coach. Yeah, Richmond wins the CAA, but Delaware, Villanova still good. William and Mary will probably be the playoff team. Rhode Island. So the CAA's demise has definitely been um, foretold, but I don't think they're done. Um, but it's going to be a really strong conference. But Richmond rent, wins the CAA with Reese Udinsky and Jacob Harris. Why? There's why does stock. that? Why does that make you sick? Because all you have to do, you can say you only won when we moved up. So where's our thank you letters? Send us flowers. You could play this. You can make it. Could, like, you can vilify yourself so well. It's still Richmond, and they suck, and I hate them. <laughs> are, are they still going to be your rivals when you're up there? Looking no, little... I'll never play them again in anything. See, there you go. So now you can love them. You can root for them. Freedom from the spiders. You have sprayed your last Free the raid. Free the right. ticks. Ticks are gone. Richmond uh, no longer you know sucks. It's twelve forty-two, and Richmond no longer sucks. Hey, well, <laughs> you know, you know why we call them the ticks, right? Instead of the spiders, because Richmond sucks. <laughs> Had to get that in there. Makes sense. Oh, I love it. Well, we might be talking about them in the playoff, based off of some early predictions here. So there you go, guys. Buy some stock in the Kennesaw Owls, Stephen F. Boston. Throw some money down there on a penny stock known as Richmond. See if it'll pay off for you for like Dogecoin. All right, guys, final big seven question here. Amos Foss said, great page member here. He wants to know, are you concerned about conference realignment? Um, he sees things like the ASUN, the OVC is on the struggle bus. Uh, the Big South now with some new realignment things, the MEAC. Um, is it possible we're going to see more partnerships like the AQ7 style that we saw previously this last season because of these things? Um Jamie, I'll, I'll toss it to you right away first, man, just because the CAA is the one picking some of these teams up, which is affecting other conferences. Are you concerned on how that affects things the next couple seasons or even next year? Yeah, I mean, I am. It, it concerns me for those smaller conferences that are getting poached because their only option is to merge, which I've said the OVC and Southland should do for football, or pull D two teams and hope that they can ascend. And you know, I'm, I'm concerned, but I don't think we're done with the realignment in the FCS. I think we still got a couple of years of things going on. And I just, you know, I'm not sure 
how that's going to shake out other than the fact that the big sky and valley are just going to just widen the gap between them and everybody else um then i think you're looking at the caa and the southern and then everybody else way behind that um and it stinks but what else can you do yeah it makes me worry amos and jamie and everybody else just because of um obviously strength of schedule on stuff you can't control which is within your conference and um correct me if i'm wrong but um like southeastern louisiana and them last year they were playing teams double because of their schedule right and like so you might play somebody who's bad twice and you don't control that unfortunately though suddenly you're a much lower seed a fringe out seed in comparison to a three loss south dakota state and everyone's going well this is bullcrap because we didn't control that so that's where my concern is is like these big south teams whatever is left of the ovc um like what happens to them when they just have things beyond their control um not saying that that's just like book it they are a good team they're getting screwed but that could really affect their seeding and their ability. You have no room for error. You can't slip up once because there's no recovery because you got nobody else who's ranked. So that is going to be an extremely tough thing. I also think you're going to see a lot of hate more in the polls because what are we going to have seven big sky teams like ranked in the stats top 25 because somebody loses one game in an OBC conference where there's only four teams. I mean, you, you as a stats voter, Jamie, I don't envy you at all. Amos, I think this is going to cause a lot of chaotic issues. It's not going to be on the same level as the spring season where it was just like make up your own rules and conferences have like two teams left and stuff. But it might feel like it a little bit on a small scale where you're like, wow, this is just not comparable. The Missouri Valley schedule, the Big Sky, the CAA, the the SOCON, and how all these other ones are going are just not the same. So it's going to be very, very very unique does that concern you as a voter jamie at all concern no i mean because i'm gonna put it out there and i'm gonna defend it and there's gonna be eight valley teams seven big sky teams and the top team and the rest of and probably three or four caa teams three southern teams a swag team and a a Stephen of austin and an ovc team (laughs) so you're saying not much has changed besides just a little addition and subtraction exactly (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Kyler, any final thoughts on the conference realignment before we hit our quick hit questions, my man? I mean, I just got to say one thing. I, f- I feel really bad for Amos, right? Yeah. <laughs> A&T, yeah. They, down. they went to the Big South looking for bigger and brighter things, and now the Big South has absolutely turned into a dumpster fire. Kennesaw leaving to the AQ7 or the A7. Then you have Monmouth, who was you know the next promising team. They're leaving to the CA, which Monmouth, I think that's a really good fit. Man, there is nothing, nothing in the Big South. Um, The Big South is a team away from completely turning into a D2 joke of a program or a conference. And then um, another thing, and I didn't read the actual article, so maybe you guys can align me or, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. But there was something about the Patriot League potentially looking at dropping completely out. Is that did I read or did I just saw the headline and then what someone posted, I did not click on it. So I don't know if that was just, you know, headline garbage, but someone was saying the Patriot league might go D two or something like that. Unfortunately in the same boat where I was I haven't clicked on the link yet. Yep. So hopefully we're not breaking any crazy news again. We're unsure about this, but (laughs) yeah, it just looks like to emphasize kind of what you were saying, Kyler, it just doesn't look like this is over. Like we just don't know what else is coming down the line. And so everybody at the FBS level is thinking like, 
You're going to have 18 team power conferences in the power five and the rest of us. Well, geez. I mean, with the CAA stealing, they took Hampton too, right? So them stealing a bunch of people are those three conferences, you know, just lining up Murray state uh, going to the Missouri Valley um, doesn't help or no, I got that, that team mixed up, but uh, Missouri, the Missouri Valley taking another team away from the OVC. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just a poaching fest, and that's just not going to help these lower tier conferences. I'm with you. I feel bad for Amos and NCA and T because we thought I they mean, were going to be in a good spot. Here's the good thing, though. Can we really feel bad for them when they almost have an automatic conference title every single year? They're going to go to the playoffs like they wanted. They're going to get to prove themselves. But at the end of the day, they are not going to be challenged, and they're having, they're going to be beat in the first round every single year if they don't, you know, fix that schedule or fix that conference because. They're just not going to be challenged. I, I, yeah, there needs to be some type of merger. Maybe the Big South, maybe the SoCon, maybe the OVC can all come in cahoots and, you know, at least help each other. Like when Tarleton came in and um, Dixie State, or it's going to be, you know, Southern Utah Tech or whatever they're going to be. The Big Sky actually said, we are going to help you with scheduling. You're going to get a full Big Sky schedule. Of course, you're not going to play for any Big Sky titles, but we will do our best to help you out. And maybe we're going to see something like that where a conference is going to pity basically the Big South and go, guess what? We get it. Here you go. Have your pick of the litter. At least you'll have out-of-conference games with these many. We will guarantee one of these teams will schedule you um, and we'll just kind of keep rotating. Hopefully something like that happens. Um, But, oh, man, I feel bad for the Big South right now. It looks horrible. Yeah, it's going to be definitely, it's going to be interesting to see what comes down the next couple months as we move up into the season. Um, I normally do the team series in the summer. I'm planning to bring it back and <laughs> I'll try my best to see what teams or what conferences. Yeah, what teams or what conferences. I might just forgo conferences and just do alphabetical all the way through. Even then, I'll probably screw something up. So we'll see. All right, Amos, thank you so much for the question. Thank you to everybody there in the, the big seven segment. Uh, we still have plenty of fans, though, that are curious about some questions with our quick hits just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care these are the quick hit questions of the week all right guys best segment last quick hits oh here in january we won't be back with quick hit questions until our preseason preview episodes in august oh my goodness we'll talk about off-season content here at the end of these but let's get it started right now. Mr. Williams, how long could the beer snake have gotten if every cup in the stadium was added to it? Mr. Brandon Anderson has a question there. Uh, what about that beer snake that we, we saw in the actual stadium? Yeah, it was, it was pretty solid. Uh, the one thing I will say, and it would have been double in size because we didn't count any beers from Kyler Neal, Chris Hammond, you know, Maddie <laughs> Frazy. So you put those in there, it'd at least been double. Um uh, you know, could have wrapped around the python, you know, constricted somebody. Uh, it was pretty neat. Uh, it was pretty fun to, funny to look over and see that. Nice, solid job done with the beer snake. But uh, was that Brock Jensen in the middle of there? <laughs> it kind of looks like it is. Is that Brock it? Jensen, the kind of bottom left? He probably ah. started it. Uh, legend. <laughs> it. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube right now, there's a picture of the beer snake. They were building it up throughout the game. And, yeah, if you had every single beer in there, it may have been pretty long. So, Bobcat fans, NSU fans, they brought the party. Lots of fun. So, all right, guys. Uh, Peter Hagen, South Dakota State fan. Who would have guessed based off this question? He says, I know it was for a giant rock and not a national championship trophy, 
But who did NDSU lose to this season? Oh, taking your jab, Peter. Uh, that would be the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Congratulations, you won that one. So uh, you guys will have a chance at your Super Bowl in the Fargo Dome next year. I think it's a week. Uh, it's later in the season. I had to throw they'll a jab probably, back. They'll probably at break you. some plexiglass again. <laughs> Congrats on another great season, Peter. You're, you're, I doubted your Jackrabbits all the way up to that semifinal game. I haven't gone on the road so much. Heck of a year for them. We'll see what it looks like next season, my man. The funniest part about this question, Matt, is how well you played that exact question and answer on Friday night. So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, I had to wear South Dakota State gear, as most saw on Twitter and Facebook, for the charity thing. And I was with Thumper from its, the Jackrabbit Illustrated podcast. And it was fun for Bison fans in the bar to be giving me crap and then me using lines against South Dakota State. I was like, yeah, well, we lost our Super Bowl to NDS or, you know, we won our Super Bowl against North Dakota State in the regular season and lost like we always do. What are you going to do? So uh, I and Matt got his first experience in an NDSU fan being a jerk to him. Yeah, he was like, wow, it does happen. We, yep. We're not all great people. Nope. It was Jordan, too, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's Jordan, that jerk. Yeah, I took I took some crap from some NDSU fans as the fake SDSU fan, but that's what I want to do. I was like, I'm not going to tell them the other way around. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun that night. Uh, guys here from uh, Lesson Gervais and Joe Gass, uh, they want to know, when are we going to hold the individual FCS fanhood draft for Jamie, James Madison fans, Sam Houston fans, Jacksonville State fans? Uh, we're going to have like an off-season episode on this for Jamie specifically, but maybe we'll incorporate some of our, our fan page members as well. Well, like a draft here's what we should do we should incorporate all of them actually have them draft stock and what we'll do is we will bring them in live on an episode uh just do a full-on draft where it's like another you know for the 32nd pick in the fantasy draft uh you know jacksonville state former gets nominated to eastern washington yeah. uh, we'll, we'll do some <laughs> we'll do something fun like that i think that would actually be entertaining i love yeah. that i think that's great i think Hey, respect my decision, but my recruitment is open. Um, you know, if you want to send me swag to uh, get me to lean towards your school, um, just hit me up. Send me the address. I will tell you, I already have NDSU, Eastern, South Dakota State, Central Arkansas, um, the SFA. I, I have stuff, guys. So you know, you're behind if you're not if you're not there. If you're not first, you're last. So. You want my big reveal to include your school, send it on. Oh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. We will see where that fanhood goes. And, yes, I love that, Kyler. We were going to come up with a unique episode for some off-season content. We'll have to, like, you know, only choose 32, 32 people or something like that. So we'll have to actually put, like, a raffle out there on the page and see who wants to, see who wants to join. Absolutely. That'd be fun. Uh, Jason Plotkin, guys, wants to know, how excited should we be for Florida A&M and Jackson State? This September, how much fun is the banter between the programs? And for those not so diehards, why should they be tuned in? Well, why they should be tuned in, Jason, is because the difference between Celebration Bowl and not was one point. One point between these squads as they faced off, and it was a seven to six game with Jackson State winning over FAMU, who is good enough to be into the playoff field this year. Congratulations again to the Rattlers on a big season. So that's already stirring up. Um, Jackson State's obviously bringing in some major recruits, some like best in the country recruits under Deion Sanders and uh, Florida A&M is running some things really well there too. So that very well may put somebody in a position to be celebration bowl or outside looking in again as next season. So hundred percent, Jason, you got it on. That'll be a very exciting matchup. It's going to be fun to watch. Can't wait for all the page trash talk again. That was great. So 
Um, I hate to take two questions in a row from you guys here, but Mr. Michael Smith asks, did the random Bison fan pull any type of muscle or hamstring on his historic run? So funny story. Um, basically the whole fourth quarter, I was just thinking to myself, how can I storm this field? Because they, they didn't, they said no storm in the field because of COVID protocols. I am double vaccinated. I got my booster, so I'm safety with COVID, but it was the most hypocritical, dumb policy I've ever seen in my life. There's 20,000 of us in the stadium. Nobody is masked. We're screaming, spitting all over each other. But for some reason, half the crowd couldn't have stormed at the end of the field. So there wasn't stairwells or anything. But Jordan Finkston and I went down to the front row from where we were because some seats had opened up. And we were just sitting there and they did the kneel down. And there was probably four or five people who had jumped down from the sidelines, but they weren't like on the field. And I just looked at Jordan and I was like, I was like, we're going to go. And he's like, he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if we should do this. And I said, Jordan, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, you're either going to be sitting up in the seats or you're going to be down on the field with me. And I counted one, two, three, and we jumped the wall and started running on the field. And as Jordan and I are running, the whole Bison sideline is cheering as we're running. And I'm just thinking, yeah, they're cheering because we're leading the charge. What I didn't know until afterwards was what Kyler and Jamie and everybody else saw was <laughs> The security guard was chasing us when we were running on the field. He was right behind us. Um, so we were almost like the streaker who got knocked out on the field. But thankfully, we had our long Christian Watson strides going and outran him. And that kind of led the charge. I'm going to, we're going to, we take the credit. We led the charge and then the rest of the Bison fans stormed. So I know this is a quick hit question, but it is my Twitter cover profile uh, photo. So go on Twitter. You'll see Jordan and I on the field with a random security guard behind us. Statue of limitations. I'm in a different state, so I cannot be prosecuted. But. Kyler and I took the stairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely it took was, the stairs. Oh, yeah. Historic moment in my life. I will never forget it, Michael. So good stuff. Um, Kyler, a question for you here. With Brent Vegan's history of developing QBs, his success at Wyoming and NDSU, his first year tenure there with Montana State, Casey Thompson wants to know, is he going to be the most sought after coach in all the FCS for FPS programs and other programs? Or what do you think? He's definitely not going to be at Montana State for a long time. I'll say that. Um, because Montana State, they have everything going for them. They have the facilities. They have a good recruiting base. They've now made runs the last two years. Uh, and Vegan, he looks like he knows what he's doing. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be one of the most sought-after coaches to, you know, play for and also to get a promotion and get some type of FBS look. Uh, I would not expect to see him more than four years probably at Montana State. I think he's gone on a fast track up. Um, yeah, he, he's going to be in the FBS sometime real soon. Yeah, he's a heck of a coach. He's a great guy. NDSU fans love him. So uh, wish him the best, and we'll see how long that tenure is with Montana State. And for Montana State fans, if he leaves you, that means you've probably had a lot of success. So that's a good thing. Uh, taking this one here for Mr. Bradley Breadall, he wants to know, how likely is a Mountain West invite to NDSU? Would they accept CUSA or the MAC? Uh, in current conditions, as we discussed previously, it looks like they have no interest in the CUSA. I just don't think, and as Matt Brown said, the MAC or NDSU are involved in a partnership, nor have they spoke. Um, and then the Mountain West didn't even call NDSU during this realignment stuff. That was confirmed by Mike McFeely and Dom Izzo and a few others. So just like Kyler said, unless Boise State, San Diego State, and honestly, maybe even another team gets gutted, they're going to have to get gutted the way that uh, the American was for them to go, okay, uh, I think we're kind of in desperation mode. 
Because even looked, if they want to expand, NDSU doesn't add much for them. And it looked know? like it was about to get gutted. So that's where we we're like, ooh, maybe there's promise. And then all the Mountain West teams stuck together. They're like, nah, we're fine where we're at. And as long as they have everyone sticking together, there is zero chance. Yep. And 2024 would be your next shot at that because of that's the rumor of the redone deal with the Big 12 TV contract, which would maybe they want to expand teams and especially San Diego State is marketable for them. Yeah. However, for FCS fans who hate NDSU and why they're still here and NDSU fans who want like myself who want to move up, there's no other option until the invite comes. Um, they don't have the money to go independent. So there you go. Got to try to beat them while they're here. All right, here we go. Jamie, with all the top talent going to the HBCUs, will there be a playoff partic participation push like with the Ivies? Steve Kurtenbach wants to know. Obviously, they can send teams now, but most go to the Celebration Bowl. What do you think? Do you think there'll be a bigger push for them to just be playoff bound? There'll be a push from those of us who are not part of the HBCU conferences, I believe. Um, until, I mean, maybe that's Deion Sanders' ultimate goal, but they also had 55,000 people at the Celebration Bowl. So until and unless they can make more from going to the playoffs and the Celebration Bowl, I just don't see it. There's just too much passion for the HBCUs within their communities that, you know, we could all really learn from. And it's fun to watch. But you also saw when FAMU went to the playoffs, and I get that they were the second or third best team in the SWAC, they got just handled by southeastern louisiana they made slu no offense danny look like a solid defense and not solid that shows I'm, the gap yeah that shows the gap still that the swag has to close it to compete with these the teams in these bigger conferences um and maybe with these recruits that they're getting and the solid coaches that gap closes quicker and you know maybe something changes like I know we would all love to see an all-inclusive playoff, but um, unless the MIAC implodes, the Celebration Bowl is still going to be there. Yeah, absolutely, and it should be. And all those you just, you said all the factors. They're 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 wise to continue to play in that bowl game. They love it. We love it, and we love all our HBCU fans that are on the page. So keep uh, keep teaching us everything about your guys' programs and everything you got going on with the Celebration Bowl and. It's, it's a fun watch, and it's a fun season to track. So, all right, guys, here we go. How long will it be until St. Thomas dominates the FCS? Hall Jones. Hey, 7-3, and three, Kyler. You said that they wouldn't be great moving in. I remember that from the first they episode. 7-3, and three, man. In a non-scholarship league, and every top team they played, they got murdered. Seven they weren't even competitive with, like, Davidson. Bowl eligible. As a no. bowl eligible team at seven, they wins. are not going to dominate anything unless they get out of a <laughs> crappy conference that they're in. The Pioneer League, no Pioneer League team is going to dominate anything. Um, and money does not mean anything, or else Delaware would have every single title, Richmond would have every single title, UC Davis would have every single title. Um, just because they got a lot of money, and they actually don't have that much money compared to the Delawares of the world or the UC Davises of the world. I remember someone saying they're the richest team in the FCS. They're not even close. They're not even top 25. And just because you have endowment also doesn't mean that goes to the athletic department. So until they're not in the Pioneer League, they have zero chance to run anything. And I doubt they're even going to be the top team in the Pioneer League. I, we saw what they were doing versus the top tier teams in the Pioneer League. And again, these are non-scholarship teams. It's not like 
they're it's not like the talent gap was a big difference going from D3 to what the Pioneer League is. It's just not. Um, and every time they played a top tier team there, they got murdered. They got just destroyed. No chance. Well, I would I would have preferred to have them over Murray State in the Missouri Valley. That's my yeah. hot take for the night. Would have loved like to bring that. them in. Heck of a I would program. Like that. I, I Geography joined, right there in Minnesota. Yeah. If they would join the Missouri Valley, my whole change of at or my attitude changes completely. And I go, all right, they're probably not going to run the FCS. But if you're in the Missouri Valley, you're going to start getting better recruits. You're going to start getting better competition. You are going to be able to build a much better program. As long as you're in the Pioneer League, you have zero chance to run anything. So yeah. that that's my stance. And St. Thomas in Minnesota, geography-wise, works really well. Helps your recruiting base. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously something way down the line. Uh, here we go. Uh, Brian Munez wants to. He just wants to say, listen. I feel like we need to acknowledge the awesome marching bands throughout the FCS and college football and the members who show up every game to hype the crowds. Heck yeah, Brian. Shout out to the band members. Shout out to uh, the coordinator. Shout out to everything logistically that it takes for them to show up every game, playoff games, cold weather, warm weather, doesn't matter, and just be part of the college football atmosphere. Appreciate them all. We have a lot of fans on our page because of the band. So uh, Montana State and DSU bands put on a great show. They worked well together. Uh, So yes, shout out to them. Shout out to you, Brian. Thank you so much for that statement and reminding us of a good thing. Last two ones of the season here, guys. Oh, my goodness. Jamie, what does ETSU's hiring of a mediocre coordinator from a non-playoff team signify in terms of their investment into making the next step step up in the FCS? Scott Lawson wants to know this. Uh, he, he worded this probably because there was quite a bit of backlash, at least on the social media spectrum, of East Tennessee State hiring Furman's offensive coordinator, George Quarles. Because, you know, I think we, we had heard uh, Steve or Fisher from the NFL coach was in the mix. But we also knew that their coordinators were really, really respected within that coaching room. So obviously when East Tennessee State lost their coach uh, through that surprise retirement, nobody was really expecting Furman's offense coordinator, George Carls, to be there. But I've always bragged about Furman's recruiting classes. So, Jamie, what do you think? Is this a bad thing or or is this what is this for ETSU? I feel like it's got to be a good thing that if they did pass up the coordinators that everybody, homegrown coordinators that people were pushing for, for this guy, he, there was something in the interview, something with the way he approached it that sold them. So to me, I, I don't think it's a problem until it's a problem. So let's give it, let's wait, let's see what this guy's all about. Um, can't judge him against this year's team because he's not going to have Quay Holmes. So, you know, that's a big one right there. But he's going to have Tyler Rydell, who's a decent quarterback, who's learning, who's young. He needs to put on about 25 pounds of muscle. Um, but, you know, let's wait and see. I, I, I took off my sunglasses, theoretically, for all the shade uh, in that, that question there. <laughs> but, um, you know, it you got to build a program. You know, so give them, well, give them time. Give them time. We'll have to see how it plays out. Should be fun for ETSU and the next season coming up here. And guys, and they oh, just got, you know, a coordinator from a top 10 team in FCS history, right? Every single year, they're top 10. It's been proven. Every single Every year. Every year. Preseason minimum. Furman. Just wait till next season. Now JMU's gone. They're the best purple. That's it. Best. That's That's the team outside of the power. Why did yeah. you not think of this? This is your fault. Behind Saint... podcast, let's end it. Let's That's end it. it. 
that didn't drop. You didn't it. pick. You didn't pick Furman when you had an opportunity. Well, I'm, be, I'm telling you, man. Behind behind St. Thomas, the the new best purple team in the FCS. So Ooh, Central. Yeah, guys. Uh, Dustin Perman here asked, would the admins be willing to add monthly offseason podcasts to keep us up to speed on transfers, noteworthy FCS football items throughout the year? Uh, Dustin, we have a few plans here besides what maybe just tonight we created the FBS teams going to FCS fanhood draft. We also are planning a very special fun episode where us three and Mr. Lawrence Smith, we are going to live react and we will post that video of us listening to our first original podcast, which is so good. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to react to that. We're also going to do, I'm going to be dropping some content on our YouTube channel specifically. So hit subscribe, hit like, because YouTube, we're going to drop some things on the NFL draft as well in regards to Pierre Strong, Christian Watson, some of these upcoming guys from the FCS, some names that people should know. So yeah, there'll be a little bit of content sprinkled in there, Dustin, on the FCS Fans Nation Facebook page. We'll have the team series for engagement. So kind of the same protocols that we take. And then in August, we'll start rolling into the 2022 stuff, of course. So I would say fun. one noteworthy, just one noteworthy FCS football item, just because a lot of people have asked. I will take this time at the end to say either prayers answered for you or darn it for you. I do plan to be back with my guys next year. I'm not going anywhere. I uh, still love the FCS. I just might put on different shirts and hats, but who knows? I might bring a little FBS flair to it, but I will be back, guys. A little bit of FBS sunshine from, uh, from right. Jamie Williams right there. Glad you're still going to be on the pod, man. You're a great contributor um, and obviously an even better friend and better person. So, uh, gentlemen, the end of season five for the FCS Fans Nation podcast. It is among us here. Some final reflection thoughts for the season. Some final thoughts about everything as we're rolling into our well-deserved uh, winter summer vacation, if you will. Jamie, what do you think, man? Final thoughts on the year. It was a really good year. Um, it could have been great with just a couple of made field goals or maybe just one. Um, but as we all sit back, we had a good time in Frisco. We got to see each other twice in this calendar year, so that was all fun. Um, we're going to do it again. It's going to be another good year, fighting for second place, and we congratulate the Bison once again. Kyler, Neil, what do you think, man? Final thoughts, 2021 comes to an end. My final thoughts are, Cole Kelly, you can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, man. It, His final Kelly shot. Yeah, no. Um, Cole Kelly, I've said all your your stuff. Uh, but here's my only final thoughts, man. This was this was another fun season. Um, incorporating this YouTube, Matt. I gotta say thank you for everything you've done for this podcast. You know, all I do is show up. I don't review anything. I just build a cute little set to make me look a little fancier. But um, shout out for you and all of your hard work you're doing on this podcast. Without you. We don't have a podcast because Jamie and I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest there. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun season. Another fun season's upon us. It's just really annoying. We're going to have another champion on this podcast, and it's not going to be me. It's not going to be Jamie. It's not going to be anyone else from the admin group. It's just going to be another NDSU crap fest. Um, and I will still be there to have my mean takes, say screw you to a couple people. Um, but yeah, man, it's been fun. And thank you again. Thanks for all the hard work, Matt. 
Yeah. Don't worry. If, uh, if it's worth putting in time just so we can talk on these screens, it makes it a lot more fun. I've done a few solo episodes. They're way too much work. So, um, I appreciate the shout out, but this really is a collective team effort. It's we message each other a lot of time. It's a lot of fun um, on the football level. Just one of the most fun seasons we've ever had, because I, I think the parody was real in terms of like it was so cool to when everybody was able to bring everything back. We really didn't know. We really didn't know how it was going to play out and predictions were off. The bracket challenge showed people were very unsure of who was going to win this thing. So tons of fun. Um, I know NDSU to FBS is something I want, but I will never take for granted storming that field and feeling that confetti and that was just an amazing feel i know nobody gives a crap about an NSU fan talking about this but really is a pretty cool experience so um shout out to uh my my beautiful bride who who watches our three kids allison she's the one who every sunday is like all right i'll put them to bed and then ends up watching them when i'm down in frisco so big shout out to her of course and you guys are the best you're some of the best friends that i have and i really appreciate everything we've done together and it's going to be fun for another off season as Kyler's like don't get too mushy on this thing uh shameless plug time guys before we roll out um i already did my disclaimer stats thing on the front of the podcast so i won't go into that but however just make sure you subscribe and like our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to uh youtube spotify apple google podcast anchor uh make sure you like and follow our pages on twitter facebook instagram uh fcs fans nations where you can find it Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end season finale of season five. We are blessed and thankful for every single one of you guys who have listened to us. We raise our glasses to you and thank you so much. We cannot wait to see you through the screens a little bit in the off season, but looking forward to 2022. Regardless of what happens, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll catch you guys next season. Oh. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Boom. Only the first three real big questions are kind of like actually about the game. And then everybody's like, screw it, NDSU won. (laughs) Tell us about 2022.